Are you guys ready to record this whole thing all over again? <laughs> I didn't care for it. I didn't buy it. That, that seems pretty ridiculous. I don't even want to think about the possibility of you having your dick out. Yikes. This is the most important thing in the universe. What happened to it? I, I, I don't know. I needed to suck in absolutely every moment of awesomeness. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to another fun and festive episode of the Geek Legacy Podcast, where we talk about everything in the realm of entertainment news, so long as it's mostly Star Wars. I'm Justin Cavender, and joining me as always, Mr. Randy Van Dyke, how are you doing today? Uh, beyond wonderful. I like it. I'm glad when you're wonderful, or beyond wonderful, then so am I. You're infectious, like a, like a rawr zombie, and I love it. Like a disease, that's me. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Mr. Edmondson, I'm so happy you are here. You are you are the 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 third musketeer. You can even be Oliver Platt if you want to, because we all know he's the coolest one out of all of them. Artanian? He's the worst. I can't stand Artanian. I know what's funny is the name of uh, any other of the musketeers. I think it's like Athos and Porthos, maybe? That's or Aramis, maybe? Is there Aramis? Because there, there wasn't, wasn't Chris O'Donnell the fourth one? Yeah, he was D'Artagnan. <laughs> yeah. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. And then D'Artagnan. And uh, you know what's funny is I actually like D'Artagnan until Man in the Iron Mask. Because he's like so loyal to the king that it's like to a fault. And it ruins the dynamic of the Musketeers. <laughs> and I don't like it and I don't need it. David, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fantastic, Justin. If I can uh, be allowed to, to ask you a couple questions real quick. So I have a friend. We'll call him friend. And uh, he ha- he bought a car, you know, two or three years ago. And uh, the car was just uh, a lemon. It was a piece. It was just a real piece. It didn't run well. The seats were crummy. So everything about it was just no good. And uh, the original owner decided that he wanted to take the car back. And he wanted to put, like, as, as much money into the car as the car was worth and paid for and he slapped a new coat of paint on it and he was like oh this is going to be better than ever and everyone was like oh yeah let's get this new car and uh, now we have this stupid Justice League nonsense and uh, did you see the new trailer? <laughs> Wait a minute <laughs> I thought we were talking about a car <laughs> I don't even well, know what just happened right <laughs> we, got, we got duped <laughs> bamboozled it's like Bob fables and stuff like that and uh uh yeah i think you were the one who told me it was gonna be 150 extra minutes of the justice league at at what point does it stop being a remake and just why can't we just give him this money to make justice league 2 i i thought that before the show started there we said we weren't gonna talk about justice league if there was nothing nice to say then we weren't gonna say anything at all and you you ruined it. <laughs> well, no, I'm trying to say something something positive. I think that instead of going and fixing a movie that's already been released, I'd rather just see part two. Sure. All right. I, I think well, he should take that money and make a sequel. Okay. But then he, then he has to... That's a lot of work. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of work to add 150 No, no, minutes. no. You just... You, you're cutting your pace. That's all he's going to be doing. He's got all the footage, see? You know, you know, this is going to be a real inside baseball like uh, editor joke. What I imagine he's going to do is he's going to take every clip from the movie, he's going to put it on Premiere Pro, and he's just going to like 
extend every scene. He's just going to drag, <laughs> drag the little red cursor on every single timeline and just extend everything. And uh, yeah, he's into the slow motion. The whole maybe that's why it's 150 minutes because it's just extra slow motion. That's 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 a good call out. We watch it in real time and it's like a 30 minute movie. <laughs> He's going to splice in clips of like 300 Watchmen to see if anyone notices. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's that's my biggest beef with, with Zack Snyder films is I not only do we see 10,000 raindrops, but we have enough time to name each and every one of those name drops or raindrops because it's going so slow, and there's really no need for that. If and my, and you have time to have like a funeral for each one of them as they die on the ground. We're like, oh no, that was Porthos. Right. <laughs> or Athos or Aramis. <laughs> But D'Artagnan, we don't care. <laughs> Glad he's dead. <laughs> yeah, so that new trailer. Okay, so since you brought it up, Mr. Ed Monson, um, I was not, I wasn't really a fan of that trailer. I didn't like the black and white. I didn't like the Hallelujah song. I don't get his fascination with that song. I, we've heard it enough. And, Every damn time. And I'm over it, man. I, we had it in Watchmen. We had it in Justice League already. And, and it's I'm over it. We don't need it. Move on. Get back. Put on a new track. It's like the the guy that's at the at the Ruby's Cafe that just keeps playing the same song on the jukebox. <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm gonna go put eight bucks of Huba steak on this jukebox. <laughs> uh, can we name this episode Eight Bucks of Huba Steak? <laughs> I can't imagine that phrase ever being spoken before. And damn it, if we're not gonna coin it for something. No, we're talking. So yeah. I'm sorry, Justin, that I led you down a dark path. I know we were keeping it positive. I was trying to be positive, and you took it to negative like you always do. So yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. No complaints. But now, now see, you opened up a can of worms. Because <laughs> I also read earlier this week that uh, Jared Leto's Joker is actually going to look uh, different in this new version of Justice League. Okay. So he'll, I don't know what that means per se. I don't know if he's going to have longer hair, shorter hair, different color hair. Uh, maybe he'll have a tattoo removal service on his face. I don't know the answer to that, but he is supposedly going to look different. Like Dallas Buyers Club different? Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> I was going to say maybe um, put a lot of prosthetics on him and make him look like Joaquin Phoenix. Ooh. Huh. It'd be fun <laughs> if he had the Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> you guys like this joker yeah (laughs) do over it's like we've done some market research and this is what we came up with yeah i'm gonna i am getting a little worried just because so far we've only seen a handful of things that have been like the new version the new Zack snyder version of the justice league and so far i'm not a huge fan of really any of them you know we got our we got our our, a new look at what steppenwolf is going to look like and i think he I have an idea of what he looks like, but it's not PC for me to say it, so I won't say it. But he, he, he definitely, I don't like the look of him. Um, you know, Deathstrike now has like a mohawk and stuff like that. And I don't know, I thought it looked better the first way. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just not a fan Death of Deathstroke? What did I say? Did I say Deathstrike? Yeah. Okay, he's sorry. A, Death like Stroke. he's a union guy. He's going yeah. on strike. Like he's, uh, like he's the, <laughs> villain, the villain from X2. Right, uh, right, yeah, right. Slade Wilson. Sure. Yeah, he's got a different look. And, you know, you mentioned Steppenwolf. And, like, he had this, uh, the the color palette on the scene that he was in, he was kind of blending in with all the mountains in the background. He was all, like, that sort of bronzy color with all the, the all them spikes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, know, we've maybe. only seen a couple seconds of, you know, Darkseid, but, like, I love Darkseid. And uh, I got Darkseid back here somewhere. Uh, and 
I'm not thrilled with the look so far. So hopefully this is kind of like a like a pre boom tube, uh, super mega badass dark side. Um, but yeah, he's, I'm is, not... isn't he just a gray faced red eyed dude? How hard is that to do? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. The trailer makes it him look not very cool at all. He's got like the little Robin Hood outfit, but it's blue. <laughs> The blue yeah, <laughs> there you go. He's just a gray and blue, purple guy with red eyes. How yeah, hard so is he's, that? He, he's he's like a big big dude, and in the trailer yeah. he looks like he's like a golem or something like that. Oh, maybe he's tired. <laughs> he's not well rested. <laughs> we all look weird in the morning. Maybe he just got up. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. He's got to brush but... his teeth and take a shower, and then <laughs> yeah, he cleans up nicely. You know. That old chestnut. But I will say, in, in the exciting news for DC, I'm very happy that we are going to get Wonder Woman 1984. And if you are able to go see it in the theater, maybe you reserve it to, for your friends and family, whatever, you can do so. Or you can just watch it in the safety of your own home on HBO Max on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day in the morning. So that's exciting. That's like less than 40 days away. That's That's soon. We're like a How month stupid. away from Christmas. <laughs> when will then be now? I know. It's nuts. It's our, so we're recording this on 11-19. We are almost at Christmas. That is nuts. Yeah. My goodness. I love the fact that we're going to be able to get that at the same time that it's seeing any kind of theatrical release. Um, I think it's kind of fun that they're trying to do both, especially right now in a time when movie theaters are going back into a shutdown. Right. Um, I don't say that to be ironic, that I think it's funny, but... Luckily, there are areas of the country where I guess it's not being affected, areas of the world, I guess, where it's not being affected as much as uh, where we are currently. But um, it's going to get a hell of a lot more traction, uh, making it available to the HBO uh, people above and beyond just those who can actually get out and go to a theater. Um, so I, I feel I feel included, which is nice, since... Uh, since who knows where we're going to be at 40 days from now in terms of uh, if theaters are open at all. So. Right. I was told it was going to be over by the election. I'm beginning to think that that Trump guy wasn't entirely honest with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I but, think that, I think that is an astute observation. <laughs> but yeah. I'm still conceited in the comfort of my own home. You know, obviously this is a movie that, you know, in a perfect world, I would prefer to see in a theater because of the scope and everything. But you know, it, it at this point, it just seems irresponsible to maybe goes to the theater. Uh, I think it's interesting that they chose Christmas because, you know, Disney, their first real big free Disney Plus, you know, Soul was going to be, it's their next Pixar film, and it looks incredible, and it looks like it's a return to, you know, the Wally and Uptimes. Uh, you know, they're releasing that on Christmas as well. So uh, I was I was hoping that, uh, you know, if Wonder Woman was going to do this, that they would have released it on, like, Thanksgiving and, like, been like, hey, guys, next week you get to watch this movie. But... Let's have a double feature on Christmas, I guess. Sure. Now, uh, normally, I'm sorry, Randy. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, normally, when a movie comes out on Christmas, that's because it's trying to make a deadline, right? To for some sort of Academy uh, eligibility for, for award season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has there been any discussion about there just not being an Academy Awards next yeah, year? They, they still are planning to have it, but they've extended the deadline for awards season. So you, you no longer have to um, exhibit you know, by the end of December, which is what it typically is. Uh, I believe they've extended it out you know, either a month or six weeks. Hmm. The, the Oscars will be later next year. It's going to be short. <laughs> it's like I, I, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog versus Wonder Woman. Is yeah. what it's gonna be for, but maybe Tenant, I guess. 
the streaming Go services have a, have a lot of prestige films that they're, they're planning to, to release, you know, in the time frame. And because of the pandemic this year, they're allowing, uh, they're loosening the reins on what qualifies, you know, streaming wise uh, when it comes to a theatrical window and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I think Tenet is, is, is going to garner a lot of the technical awards. Uh, you know, I know it's a hot take. I don't think the film is, is good enough to, to really run the table. You know, it's middle of the road. Christopher Nolan, you know, it's, it's definitely no Memento and it's no, you know, Dark Knight and stuff like that. It's, no, it's definitely no Inception, uh, although it's trying very hard to be Inception. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it being the juggernaut that it, that it's going to be. Hoobie oh. Halloween is going to, is going to win all the awards. Sure. Your buddy, um, what's his name? Uh, Steven <laughs> Spielberg. He's going to be mad about, about streaming service movies owning the Oscars. I don't. I think he'll be fine with it. He hates it. Well, he hates that they were playing by different rules. Now they're all playing by the same rules. I think he'll prison be fine. rules, man. Prison rules. They, they were playing prison rules. They were playing dirty. Or it's just the new black rules, <laughs> like Piper and Jason Biggs. Yeah, and, <laughs> forgot about right. that guy. He like he like ran off with her friend or something. <laughs> he got written off the show. It yeah. happens. It was. It was. It had a good first season. Yeah. But Randy, you're excited for Wonder Woman, yeah? Oh, I am because I love the first one, and in fact, um, it, it's inspired me to to want to rewatch it. So um, we might wait until Christmas Day and then just kind of do like a double feature. Oh, like in the morning, like Christmas yeah. Day in the morning, like Justin said. No, On Christmas Day in the morning. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> We've I heard don't. you sing one time. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. You, you see, Justin is singing all the damn time. <laughs> maybe maybe that's like me. You guys shouldn't. You cannot stop. <laughs> We're like a bunch of Lindas from Bob's Burgers, just singing yeah. all the time, and it's great. And this one's 1984, so it's set in your favorite decade, and it'll be amazing. You'll get all the all the sweet jams between Fanny two packs movies. and parachute pants. Woo. Exactly between both of the movies, uh, it will have covered my two favorite time periods. Yep. You're well, we're in the 80s. <laughs> it's like those movies were written for me. <laughs> right? Who knew that I was the Wonder Woman demographic? Me. <laughs> That's pretty I good. Still, I, I still really... Uh, that that gold armor, man, it gets me every time. Every time it pops up in a trailer, so I'm like, I'm like, ugh, I don't like this. I hope there's a, a, a good story purpose for it and that she's only in it for like five seconds. Right. What can you do? I don't know. You, she could keep the her regular uniform, which is pretty cool. She has to wear the gold to fight the cheetah lady. <laughs> yes, well, it just says a lot where the anthrop 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 when the human-like uh, cheetah that CGI is my second least favorite thing in the scene. <laughs> yeah, anthropomorphic. Yeah, that's it. My, my <laughs> I said it in my head like eleven times, and then it just it just wouldn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's late in the day. Yeah. It was stuck in between my brain and my mouth. <laughs> That's a heck of a place to be. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, no, I think it'll be great. I can't. I, I'm I'm excited. I liked uh, I liked the first one, and uh, I have no doubt that I will like this one as well. Patty Jenkins, she's got skills. Yes, that she knows how to make a motion picture show. That's right. Directors are important. They are. Speaking of directors, uh, filmmaker Stephen Cappell Jr. may be directing the next Transformers movie. You will know him from Creed 2, which is an amazing movie. It's the second best Creed movie ever made. 
It's, it's, definitely, in, it's definitely in the top 50%, right? <laughs> I love the Creed movies. Fuck, man. As someone that grew up my entire life watching Rocky, my favorite Rocky movie is Creed. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about all that, but I love it. I love Creed 2. I think it's fantastic. And I love Transformers and the very idea of, of, of a possible merger of that filmmaker and and this incredible franchise coming together i think that's a big deal i mean uh michael bay directed five transformer films and i i think it's safe to say that each one got uh worse than (laughs) yeah i would say that i would rank them in the order in which they came out (laughs) i think is probably what i would do but i really enjoyed the first two and then bumblebee was freaking fantastic Uh, michael bay did not direct that um it was travis knight i believe directed of leica fame and nike fame (laughs) yeah uh and bumblebee is just fucking fantastic dude and and it could easily serve as as they reboot to the entire franchise but uh whatever they decide to do i am on board i will support i love the transformers so i will continue to watch them what say you david you are the other resident I do love Transformers, yeah. and I am very excited to see that they will continue on the big screen. Uh, I do hope that they go more the Travis Knight Bumblebee. Uh, I would be fine if it were a period piece again. You know, they don't have to stick in the 80s if they wanted to go to the 90s or something like that. Although I'm fine if they stick in the 80s. Um, I just want more more Gen 1 action. You know, I think mm. it would be a shot-for-shot remake of Transformers the movie. Oh, my sure. God. Including uh, You Got the Dutch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that whole opening on Cybertron was incredible. Yeah, Bumblebee, I got to say, is my favorite Transformers movie, and I really love the first one. Um, the first couple are actually pretty solid. Um, yeah, uh, there, then there came a time when I just stopped looking forward to their to these movies. Uh, it wasn't until Bumblebee came out that kind of reinvigorated the fact that I actually like this franchise. So, like David said, if we can go back to more Gen 1 action, which is what speaks to me personally, because it's what I grew up with. Um, and, you know, again, especially if we get any any uh, of it set in the 80s, that's, that's my sweet spot. It's my jam. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's kind of a winning combination when it's like, all right, those are the toys I played with, and this is the era that I grew up in. All right, I'm sold, you know. Um, but other than that, I'm just kind of lukewarm to the, to the other attempts. I'm going to check it out because I, I do have hope after Bumblebee that it'll be pretty awesome. But um, I kick myself for not seeing Bumblebee in the theater, actually. I was one of those jerks that waited until it you know, came home or went to streaming. So um, I kind of kick myself because that's one of those big movies. You know, Like we were saying earlier with Wonder Woman, you want to see a big spectacle movie, big action movie like that, you want to see it on a big screen. So, um, you know, I, I, and I believe this will live up to it, I'm sure, the big screen aspect of it. But we'll see, we'll see how it compares to Bumblebee. Do we know anything about the story? Nope, we know nothing other than the guy that's writing it, or at least that's that's penned, that's supposedly going to write it, is the same guy that wrote um, uh, that King Arthur movie, I think. Would that be King Arthur? Uh, no, he didn't. The guy Pierce King Martin? Arthur wrote King Arthur? <laughs> no, I mean, that's the name of the King Arthur movie, is King Arthur. Yeah, I mean, I was calling it by his name. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't just like, yeah, oh yeah, that one, you know, like Excalibur or First Night or whatever. But yeah, the, oh. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's the fella that wrote the. Uh, was it Guy Ritchie that did that King Arthur movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When you said it, I thought you were saying like that one King Arthur movie. 
At least I think it's him. I don't know. I could be mistaken. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, Joby Harold is his name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he is supposedly writing the Transformers movie. Uh, so, we'll see. At least according to uh, The Hollywood Reporter. This is, I think that's where I read it. I don't remember anymore. I've been reading a lot of stuff lately, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it is uh, Joby Harold. Um, okay. But I could be mistaken. I'm happy for that. Yeah. So there's that. And I'm excited. And you know, it's funny, um, as someone else that loves the 80s, as, as close to you, Randy, um, when the movie Adventureland came out, and they're at the, the theme park, and he's constantly here, uh, Rock Me Amadeus in the background. It's just like the funniest fucking thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I have an unhealthy love for that movie, and um, I, I think I'm like one of the five people on the planet that, that really likes it. But damn if that wasn't fun. I know you guys aren't the biggest fan of um, Jesse Eisenberg and yeah, uh, Lex Luthor. What's her face? Uh, I like Kristen Stewart. I think we both like Kristen Stewart. I have no problem with her. Genuinely. Yeah, just Jesse Eisenberg gets on my gets under my skin. And I don't really have a problem with him either. It's just like that's such a fun movie and with a, such a fun soundtrack. Again, we're gonna beat this horse this horse into the ground. I love shit that's set in the eighties. I love stuff that uses a lot of like obscure pop uh, music from the era, and. It also appealed to me having worked in a theme park for a long time. Uh, you know, somebody working in like this, you know, broke ass, low budget, uh, like carnival kind of theme park. Right. It, it spoke to me at some deep level. So I, I just it had a lot going for it. And I know sure. we, were, we weren't meant to sidetrack into Adventureland, but you brought it up. So I'm going to give yeah. it to some- I, I always think whenever I think of Bumblebee, I always think of Adventureland too. It's just one of those things, uh, like Atomic Blonde too. Like that's just another incredible '80s movie. That's not an '80s movie. It's so awesome though, just hearing like all these awesome hits in uh, like German or some shit. And you're like, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> that's freaking great. What was Love the name it. of the the not Adventureland that you worked at, David? What was it called? I worked at Adventure City. Adventure City. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Kmart version of <laughs> I dropped I dropped the chain. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. You see that spreader at the tilt a whirl? Oh man, it's so great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know what else I love? Sylvester Stallone. And it just so happens that his good buddy, James Gunn, has recruited him to be part of the Suicide Squad. James Gunn tweeted, uh, Always love working with my friend at the Sly Stallone, and our work today on the Suicide Squad was no exception. Despite Sly being an iconic movie star, most people still don't have any idea what an amazing actor this guy is. Which I agree. And again, if you've seen Creed... You would know that the man will bring you to tears. It is like his best performance ever. So good. And it, and it just shows his acting chops. It's not yeah. just like, I am the law or I am Rambo. <laughs> I don't think he yeah. ever says that, but it works. <laughs> He's like, I'm ready to die because my wife is dead and I want to join her. Oh, that got dark real quick. Ron. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's so sad. I'm like tearing up just thinking about it. He's like, you're like me. And you're like. You know, it's in the past, like those people on that wall and all those pictures, and it's so sad. Oh my god, breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible that you know, you know, I know we're not talking Creed about, but you know, well, yeah, when he's just going over, you know, he's 
had the highest of high and the lowest of lows and you know he's you know probably you know known throughout the world you know the heavyweight champions usually are big deals and right. uh, he's just he's got kind of this like sad existence until adonis comes in his life and he's just living small and uh you know it's heartbreaking you know that he goes through you know his cancer treatment and stuff like that and yeah i think that you know i think Sylvester alone you know for the longest time you know he was just kind of that jock and you know he 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 had a type of movie. He always wanted to do the action movies and stuff like that. And those aren't you really think <laughs> all like, my life. Like, I want to make a bigger Hollywood movie. <laughs> yeah. But you think like Demolition Man and La- you know those kind of movies. You know those 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 aren't there to flex his acting chops. But you know right. You know Rocky. You know where he started. You know and even the first Rambo. You know the first Rambo is a lot it's more good. grounded and serious than what it would become. <laughs> right. It's First Blood, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. And then it's Rambo 2, First Blood. <laughs> then oh, it's, it's Rambo, Rambo 3. Blood, yeah, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> and then Rambo. And then it was just Rambo 3. He's like, I give up. And then it was Rambo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just Rambo, and then it was Last Blood. <laughs> was like, there like nine, nine pints. <laughs> was there like a John Rambo in there at some point? Or was that, the fourth one was just Rambo. Yeah. Okay. Try putting those alphabetical in your DVD list. Right. <laughs> Burn was a war zone. It's going to kill your OCD. Dude, I love that movie. I mean, it's so terrible, but at the end when he's just on the back of that Jeep with that ridiculous gun just <laughs> cutting people in half, it's so nuts. <laughs> yeah. That's what you call R-rated. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, that's a hard R. That's like an Ed 209 rated R. That's, yeah. that's brutal. I think we talked about it on the show already, but I really did like the last one. Oh, uh, the, the like final twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, when they're storming the family farm, <laughs> and he's got like the tunnels underneath and all the explosive sets literally everywhere. Oh, um, pretty amazing. But I think it was cool seeing such a, a powerful, iconic character as fallible. You know, mm-hmm. seeing him get the shit beat out of him, it's like, oh man, these guys could totally kill him, and and you know he he would he would not have the power to stop it. Uh, it it's nice seeing him acknowledge his vulnerability, whether that's because right. of age or whether that's because of character development. But I, I really appreciate seeing a really strong character brought to their knees so that they can reestablish their power in some other way. Right. So I, I thought he played it really smart. And then he chops off heads and writes messages in blood and then digs some <laughs> tunnels and sets explosives. Yeah, it, it kind of devolved a little bit into one of those mindless <laughs> action movies. But you know what? I didn't mind that either because at that point I was in. I completely bought into it. I know. I texted Dave after I watched I'm like, dude, I think they're really killing people in this movie. <laughs> it's a goddamn snuff film. It's okay. It's okay. They filmed it in Mexico. There are no laws down there. <laughs> it is graphic, man. I, I hadn't seen anything like that in a while and it was... It was hard. I was like, "Oh, I don't like that." <laughs> Cringeworthy. I don't like face damage. It hurt. It, and then, like hands getting like mangled and, and yeah, faces see, like the mangled. bones and just like, yeah. like <laughs> I can't do it. I'm like, it's, I don't even do that. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they're really hurting people in this movie. The stuntmen, they're um, and women rather, they are the true heroes of the action yeah. spectacular. Man. Yeah, I, I think it's great that you know we got you know Stallone in Suicide Squad. I'm sure it'll be a smart small part, but it would be great if he was like some like iconic like DC character that just has like the small role or something like that. Like if he's uh, if he's like Booster Gold or something like that, just just something off the wall crazy. Uh, I, I'm convinced that James Gunn either is like the coolest dude in Hollywood or he just has incriminating photos on like everyone because 
I mean, he gets like the big names to be in his movies for like small parts, you know, like Suicide Squad 2, you know, obviously we have Harley or Margot Robbie returning, but you know, Pete Davidson, John Cena, Idris Elba, Nathan Fillion, you know, Taika Waititi, there's all of these just, just crazy names associated that uh, he brought over, you know, Michael Rucker and um, right. Peter Capaldi. Uh, so, I mean, it must, it must be one of those two things. Jai Courtney, he's going back as Captain Boomerang again. Sure. And, and I think... Favorite. I think when when other talent sees what he's able to do, uh, not only for other people's careers, but just like from an artistic point of view, I think you would want to latch on to someone like that. You'd be like, "Wow, that that guy knows how to make a movie. I would be honored to know how to, you know, to be a part of it." Kind of thing. Yeah, and it is, and I guess Batista's in it. You know, he's got a cameo or something like that. Yeah, they're all they're all friends. They're on the um, like Michael Rosenbaum's podcast inside of you. They're, they like all hang out together. <laughs> They're like really good friends. <laughs> so like Sly Stallone and Michael Rosenbaum and James Gunn and then his brother. Uh, what's James Gunn's brother's name? He's Sam? he's he's the guy that's like uh, Tommy Gunn. He's yeah, uh, he's, he's Rocket the and he's yeah he's the like Ravager. the the Reaver or whatever. yeah the Ravager with um uh Yondu Yondu yeah he, that guy um, Michael Rooker. You got a T shirt yeah. of him. I know. I was trying to blank. I'm like Rowdy Burns. <laughs> Days of Thunder around. Oh, it's been a long day. I apologize. Uh, but yeah, they like all like hang out together. It's nuts. That's they awesome. Like, they do shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they have like a little circle. You can tell him and Rooker were good friends. Yeah, you know, during the whole DC fandom when he spent half of his time just ripping on him. He's yeah. like, because because apparently I'm like court mandated. I got to put this guy in every movie I make. <laughs> don't 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 clap. Don't encourage him. Michael Rooker. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, comes like, yeah. You know what's funny is um, years ago when we started Geek Legacy, and you know we had Jess Hicks, we brought her on as a writer, and we got her this awesome interview with Michael Rooker, and he was saying that he's got something in the works. He can't talk about it, but it's going to be huge. And you know, a few months later, they announced Guardians of the Galaxy, and that totally just was a a resurgence in his career and that's so cool the man's on top of the world he's he's just that cool guy that everyone wants to party with he is the neil diamond of this decade yeah remember that time you party with you him in the background yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he's like looking right at me and i'm like hey (laughs) i know this guy we we party together <laughs> I have that somewhere. Yeah, it's on my phone. I'll have to find it. Oh, don't pretend you haven't printed it in like a you know oh, put yeah. it in your office. It's a it's a shirt. Had <laughs> <laughs> it printed onto it like an iron on. Yeah, it's fantastic. No big deal. NBD. Yeah. yeah. So you know what else is fantastic? Freaking this last episode of the Mandalorian. This is season two, episode three. Uh, Randy said it was called what? The heiress. The heiress. Yeah. The heiress. Ooh. Like Paris Hilton. Oh. Or Bo-Katan. I'm like, why are you going to put that image in my head? <laughs> just like running around in Mandalorian armor, flying around. Sure, sure. I, I like that this, 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 this told us the two biggest truths in the entirety of the Star Wars franchise. The Mon Calamarians are the greatest race in the history of the universe, and the Quarren are pieces of shit, and there should be a Quarren genocide, and those squid-faced motherfuckers should all die. 
for those of you that don't know that they're actually like <laughs> warring factions um that i think is addressed in the clone wars or at least um some version of the clone wars whether it was the early early uh tartoski animated ones or the dave filoni version but uh i know i have a cool quarren soldier action figure where he's all like shirtless and like ready for swimming <laughs> right and, and it they, was they are, they're the tentacle face squid yeah. people yeah. yeah they're they're known in the original trilogy as Squidhead. Mm-hmm. um just because that's what they look like and um uh we're gonna go full spoilers you guys it's been a week since that episode dropped um they uh they totally try to feed uh baby yoda to a big old fucking sea sarlacc looking thing um a mama core whatever that is some big old fish Sounds bad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't. I don't like it. He's like, "Hey, why don't you let the kid come over and watch me feed this giant sea monster?" Don't love it. Boom! <laughs> just like like a like a hockey puck, he just slaps that thing into the water. And as it's as it's coming out, like that scene in Jurassic World with that giant fish that just like you know, eats that poor girl. Um, it just like oh, comes up that and, part. and envelops the the little hover pram that that Baby Yoda is sitting there floating in the water. And luckily. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold you guys. To let the suspense build too much. Don't worry. Baby Yoda survives. Um, he, he makes. Can you imagine deep. if it didn't? Swallows <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, Sorry. We just want to give you another reason to hate these squid face people. But yeah, but the, yeah, these guys are pieces of shit. They're backstabbing sons of bitches that are just trying to get Mando's armor. And um, I don't know if the other part of what David said is true that the Mon Cal are that great because, I mean. Mando paid the dude a thousand credits and expected his ship to be like fixed, <laughs> not like turned into a nautical museum on the inside right. with all kinds of like fishing I mean, nets. It's and, like, like Ariel's bedroom. <laughs> exactly. You saw. You saw. It wasn't. It wasn't doing so good when it landed. And that was. The, I like that scene at the beginning when it just it looks like it's going to land and then it just falls in the ocean. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and I saw a video where it looks like the. Um, that crane that's picking it up is using like uh, Imperial Walker like legs, like it's that kind yeah. of chassis. Looks kind of cool. It, it looks so cool. The moment I saw that thing, I'm like, oh, a new Walker. Oh, they're never gonna make a toy of that. But damn, that's cool. <laughs> so, so one of the neat things about the scene where it's actually crashing uh, into the or coming into the surface of the planet or through the atmosphere and then crashing into the water, that is almost a shot-for-shot remake of Apollo 13. And that was uh, Bryce Dallas Howard doing an homage to, uh, to you know, good old her dad. to her yeah. dad. Yeah. Um, cool. And it was so neat. And it was such, it, it felt different. And I realized when I was watching it, it felt different because we've never seen a ship entering the atmosphere in Star Wars like that and had it like burning up and then seen like any kind of weird condensation inside. And I'm like, I've seen this before and I don't know where, but it wasn't <laughs> Star Wars. And it wasn't until some, some brilliant person on the internets uh, put it together side by side with uh, the scene in Apollo 13. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so cool. This is the best kind of homage. And right. she's great. And then she and then she um, you know backed it up. Yeah, she confirmed it. Yeah, which was great. Yeah. Like this wasn't a coincidence, was it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love coincidence. I love that there is a direct Star Wars connection between uh, Ron Howard and his daughter, and I love that you know there is a visual you know kind of connection to where you know you can tell now, a family that makes that makes films together does something together but but the point is it turned out pretty good <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you know the old saying yeah that old chestnut it's a good now, one. oh i just hit my standing goal congratulations oh, awesome. to me 
Uh, well, how excited were you guys when the the night owls came and rescued Mandalorian, and like we got to see them in all of their glory, and they were just blasting fools and. Yeah, they made they made Mando look kind of weak. <laughs> you know, he's just in his little cage, and he's like, "Hey, let me out and get the kid too." <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, "There's a kid in there. Did you find the kid too?" He's like, oh, yeah. he jumps in there. Yeah, Which kind of like, you, see like blast, you see blasters firing underwater. Just like the little spots of the water just kind of glow underneath. I don't know if I've ever seen in live action, uh, you know, blaster fire underwater in Star Wars. I thought that was kind of cool. And right. yeah, they just kicked all sorts of ass. And um, yeah, it, it wasn't until uh, Bo-Katan spoke for the first time because I have my subtitles on and it actually tells you who the character is that speaks that I was like, I, it was confirmed for me. And of course I recognize the markings on the helmet. And it's, you know, we've seen her in animated form in rebels and in clone wars. And all of a sudden to like real life, we finally get like, this is one of those long awaited. We've seen it in animated form. Now we finally get it in live action and Oh my God, they did it justice. And of course the fact that Katie Sackhoff was able to come in and do it, considering she voices the character uh, to be able to come in and do the live action as well. is just icing on the cake. It is so perfect and it's so wonderful. Um, and she plays the shit out of that character and she is so badass and believable. And I love it. And one of the best things that comes out of that first interaction between her and Mando is we finally get a canon reason why we see all the other Mandalorians in Star Wars <laughs> removing their helmets, but not Mando himself. He is a religious extremist, apparently. A child <laughs> of the watch. Yeah, Bible-thumping <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Yeah, he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. I, I didn't know if they were trying to make allusions that he was like, part of the Death Watch, you know, which is the, the bad Mandalorians and stuff like that. I mean, I would have thought if they were, they would have called them that instead of just saying, oh, he's part of the Watch or something like that. But uh, yeah, it was it was great where they're like, why wouldn't you take your helmet off? <laughs> right. Well, I'm fairly certain he he was a child of Death Watch because in the, his childhood flashback scenes, um, when you see the Mandalorians in the blue and gray armor uh, rescuing him, on the shoulder pauldron of one of them, you actually, I think, I could be wrong, forgive me if I'm misremembering, but I, I think you actually see this symbol of the Death Watch. Um, so, so he is a foundling brought up in the Death Watch. Well, that would yeah. be interesting if, if all of a sudden this hero we think is the hero is actually he's working for the bad guys. <laughs> he's like, you're not a Mandalorian. Where'd you get that armor? She's like, dude, I am the fucking Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm from a little planet you might have heard of called Mandalore. Right. Yeah, she's all this shit's been in my family for three generations. Where'd you get your a, fucking ticket? Kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I left my sword on a park bench and I came back and it was gone. Yeah, I just love the, like, the look where... Uh, Sasha Banks' character looks at him and they're just like, ooh, he's one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a problem. He's one of one of the Do-Re-Mi's. Yeah. But, I mean, it was cool. It was fun. And then, like, the uh, seeing the siege on the or the, the, the capture of the ship, yeah, that was great. Oh my god! And then like the the electric cyanide pill that the uh, imperial officer chomps down on to kill himself, to fucking off himself. <laughs> That's brutal. Since so, I, I have no idea if Moff Gideon is any kind of force user, but I mean, he obviously has the dark saber. Whether he just slashes and hacks with it and doesn't know how to wield it, or whether he's got any kind of you know force sensitivity, is up to up for debate. But I like how, like, with just the nod or the uh, the kind of like 
the right turn of phrase. The the officer immediately knew to execute the two pilots of the ship. Like, I mean, if it were Vader or any force using Sith that were commanding, they would just do it via the remote, the hologram. But uh, it was kind of cool to see that happen. Um, yeah. And, and that's Titus have... Welliver. He's a, he's an awesome actor too. I mean, he was in like Lost. He was the Man in Black, and he's on the show called Bosch, where he's like a. Yeah. It's cool seeing him as a good guy. I mean, he's a great bad guy, but I always like it when he's a good guy because it's very rare. <laughs> I feel like I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know? um, but he just made a great Imperial officer, and and then to to show the 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 high level level of fanaticism to where they're still willing to kill themselves rather and scuttle the ship rather than allow it to be captured by these Mandalorian terrorists. Right. It's just amazing. And it's just seeing some good old fashioned like stormtrooper uh, action in the hallways of the ship. Uh, God damn I like it. the little weenie officer who's in the back of the ship. Yeah. We got him in the cargo holding area. The what? Yeah. You know, the cargo holding area. Then boom, the airlock opens up and they all get sucked <laughs> out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I like the just the effects of them flying and landing on the ship. I think that looks cool. Oh, yeah, all the jetpack action and all yeah. that. So yeah. good. I, I, I love You know, we were just saying on last week's episode that the third episode of the first season had all the Mandalorians in it from the them the covert coming to save the day to to allow Mando to escape. And we were like, Yeah, hopefully it's gonna be beat for beat like last season and we're gonna see more Mandos this time. Well, I don't remember which one of you said that, but you totally called it. And uh and I could not be happier because oh god, that felt good. Um not only because we get to see an amazing character that's already established in canon, but we just get to see some cool Mando on Mando action. And uh, that makes me really, really happy. And we wrapped up the story with the frog lady. Um, you know, we got, you know, notice nobody's been complaining about baby Yoda this week because dude, I he, thought for sure he was going to put that thing in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, the the, the tadpole. <laughs> but the fact, the fact that he watched, so he sits there and he watches the egg hatch and you see his face, like he's acknowledging it. And then yeah. later he's sitting there just kind of like playing with it and not even trying to eat it. You know, it, it would be bad if he was trying, but he didn't even try. Um, so that tells me, you know, in as much as you can show it in a, in a, puppet of a toddler you know that it's he's learning he knows better like oh this is actually somebody's sentient child you know so and he's not going to try to eat it anymore and and that to me shows that he learned his lesson and uh and everybody can forgive him for for trying to commit genocide on the lady's eggs and notice only one of them hatched i mean she had like 20 of them so it takes time well, sure. <laughs> but, With a mommy frog lady and a daddy frog lady fall in love. <laughs> yeah. But exactly. it was nice to, to wrap up their story because now, no offense, we never have to see them again. Right. Uh, and now we can move on to, to other bigger and better things. Yeah. Which, which you know, we know that Ahsoka Tano was going to be in this season. And yep. that was great that, that uh, they hinted at it early. You know, it's not like a... So far, it doesn't appear to be a finale type of episode or anything like that it's your your next stop uh barring detours is to go see her yeah now he knows the planet and the city that he needs to go to to find ahsoka tano which is amazing but you know this next episode episode four there's probably going to be some random detour you know we're going to get thrown off he's going to have some sort of side quest and um 
I think David called it at the beginning of this season that we're probably not going to see Ahsoka Tano in the flesh until episode five, because that's the one that Dave Filoni himself directs. And I believe that's probably going to be true. I think we're going to be on some sort of misadventure for this week's episode. Yeah. And he wrote episode five too. He only wrote one episode the entire season and it's episode five. So I imagine yeah. that's what he's going to do. Carl Weathers directed the, is going to direct the episode we're going to watch, you know, in a couple hours. So I'm assuming it's going to be a, uh, a grief and Cara Dune episode. I'm sure they're going to call him and say, hey, you're in the sector. Uh, Mando, I need your help. Yeah. And then we're going to get, hopefully, a cool adventure with them. You know, hopefully not a frog lady type type episode. I love uh, those characters. And you know they're they're in all the marketing material for the season. So you know they're coming back. So, hell, I'm all I'm all for that. Yeah. And, and then, like pulling the taffy, like making us wait for it. You know, you're familiar with edging. <laughs> this is like edging, you know, and then it's, we're not going to release until next week when we see Ahsoka. Do you think we get a hint of Ahsoka next episode? Like, uh, like he finishes up with, uh, you know, grief and Kara and he ends up on the planet where she's at. And like, we see it land and we see like her silhouette, like from the back or something like that. Do you think we get any kind of visual like that? Or is this just going to be self-contained and he doesn't get to the planet until next episode? The, the way it feels so far is like all of these feel very self-contained. Um, I mean, with the maybe the slight exception of uh, his Tatooine adventure ending at the beginning of episode two. Um, I suspect, I don't think we're going to get any kind of hint for it this week. Uh, I could be wrong. I often am. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think we're going to get any hint. We're not going to get any love. We're just going to get full bore uh, the following week, episode five. Yes. Yeah, it always feels like he always has, like, there's always, like, one last scene. The beginning scene is always, like, the one last scene from the previous episode is what it always kind of feels like. Whether it be two minutes or five minutes, wherever wherever the episode ends, the next one always kind of picks up right there. <laughs> and so you're just like, oh, shit, okay. It's like an 80s sequel where it takes place right after the first one. <laughs> right. I used to love those about 80s movies. <laughs> Were you were you uh, were you bummed about the length, Justin? I mean, from bumper to bumper with credits was like thirty four minutes, I believe. Uh, was it uh, too short for you, or were you happy? Yeah, they had a story to tell. They told it in just the right amount of time. Yeah, I was totally cool with it. I I hate extra minutes just for the sake of extra minutes. I I don't want any filler of any kind. So I am a fan of no wasted shots. So if it was if it needed to be thirty minutes, then by all means, go for it. Yeah, I was bummed when I saw the length when I when I pulled up the episode on the Disney Plus app. I was like, God damn it, they're giving us another short one. But I didn't feel like anything was missing. I was riveted the entire time, and it might as well have been an entire movie. When I, the high that I came down from, as soon as that episode ended, I was like, Oh my god, this was everything I wanted and more. Uh, I got to see badass Mando action and badass Imperial action. I'm like, Dude, more of this. Right, and I'm also a fan of ships doing stuff low to the ground or in the atmosphere like you know we didn't really get a lot of that in like the original trilogy and we got a ton of it in like the force awakens uh when like uh poe dameron's doing loop-de-loops and he's just fucking the red baron just shooting down all his time i I always thought that was so cool and i really dug it i i love uh interstellar ships that are just cruising around above the ground i think there's there's something about it that's just cool it's so foreign and we don't ever see it so it seems like a real treat so seeing this big cruiser 
having to maintain altitude and speed and follow like air traffic control rules just kind of made me laugh. It's like when you first start playing GTA and you're like, okay, I'm gonna obey the traffic lights for a second, but then eventually you're just gonna fucking floor it and go to town. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was and, great. And it's cool too when you get those ships that are meant for space travel in the planets. It really gives it a, a scope of how fast they are, like when they're right. in, and how big they are too. I think. Yeah. The scale. Yeah, when they're in the stars, awesome. you can't really tell how fast they're going. But when they're like zipping past the city, like Poe Dameron style, you know, it's oh, those are pretty quick ships. Right. <laughs> you know, the yeah. And just seeing well, how they, big they are too. Like when the just seeing like a star destroyer crashed on a planet. And seeing just how big they are and how ridiculous that is. And I hope no one was underneath it when it landed. <laughs> this is nuts. Many sand people were killed. Right, right. But like in episode three, when they're crash landing the half ship, uh, like Grievous's ship, and it's just destroying like the whole runway. And you just see how big this ridiculous ship is that's trying to land on this like biplane sort of air, airfield. It doesn't work. And it, it's just cool to see how. Uh, it can just ruin things so quickly. I love that you said half a ship. <laughs> That's what he says, right? No need to worry. We're still flying half a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the prequels are awesome. Dude, I love episode three. <laughs> so great. He does the thing with his hair. He's like, no need to worry. We're still flying half a ship. <laughs> yeah. We Should like, we, we worry like... about that? Yeah. <laughs> I just recently yeah. rewatched uh, Revenge of the Sith because uh, of all the prequels, that was the one that I had, had not seen in the longest. And uh, I, I sat there with a smile on my face the entire time. Now, of course, like I feel like 75% of the movie has been turned into memes at this point. So it's sure. like I... I still feel deeply connected to it, even though I don't watch it often because that shit is literally on my feet every goddamn day. I see a different scene, you know, immortalized in some sort of ridiculous meme. So to actually sit there and watch it as, as I enjoyed it when it first came out, it was like, this is kind of refreshing and nice. I forget. I like this movie. Yeah. It's fun. Every really? time, every time I see, every time Palpatine goes like, do it. I just can't take it serious anymore. <laughs> just kind of meme to death. I yeah. used that meme today at work on, on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, someone was like, because I had posted about, hey, this thing is available, you know, and this guy's like, tempting. And then I just responded with, do it <laughs> with yeah. uh, Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, you got that meme. You got unlimited power. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, too. <laughs> and then, of okay. course, high grounds, you know. Yeah. So, so, so what's next for Disney Plus and Star Wars? What's next on the docket? It's a good I question. Mean, Kenobi. I mean, Kenobi is supposed to air in 2022. You know, it's going to be a a six to eight episode shorter miniseries. You know, you know we've, we haven't heard really anything about the Cassian Andor show, so I don't know if that's maybe not a thing anymore. Um, but I think that, I, 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 you know, we talked about it after the, the first episode of po- possibly not having Bubba Fett return in The Mandalorian or having him have a small cameo and having him have his own show to where it shows us what happened from the moment he got put into the Sarlacc to the moment where he shows up and watches the Mandalorian whiz by with his armor. And, you know, I, I've been critical of a Boba Fett show or movie, and I think that would be a cool thing. And I think they could just do some really cool, like, short four to eight episode arcs on just specific characters. You know, we've got Boba Fett, you know, Ahsoka is rich for mining. Uh, you know, we've introduced the Darksaber, you know, and so there are a lot of people 
who uh, have a vested interest in that returning to the proper hands. You know, we could do a lot of different spinoffs. We don't know how Moff Gideon got it. Um, I, I'm excited to to mine this post Return of the Jedi pre Force Awakens time time period. Okay. Hey, we talked about it a little bit during the pre-show, but we were also talking about um, series like like the Kenobi series where we know there's only going to be one season going into it and how it's going to be a better crafted series that gets straight to the point because we know there's a hard in, a hard out. Um, and whether or not it would benefit a series like The Mandalorian to have to know that we're only getting into this for four seasons so that... Uh, we can expect some sort of, of build-up and wrap-up to a, to a larger story. We don't know that it's just four seasons. That's just a number that we threw out right. when we were talking about it. But um, I, I like the idea of of something that is limited like that um, because you really are going to get just the very best that they're capable of telling that story. And um, something that I mentioned to you guys per privately, but uh, might as well uh, get the idea out there publicly too. Um, let's, let's start to kind of all think about or imagine uh, a Mandalorian without the child, because what happens when he meets Ahsoka Tano, if he hands off, you know, baby Yoda over to her and then we never see him again. You know, he is with his people now. He's with his, with the Jedi. Um, what is a Mando series going to look like without the child? Would it be better, you know? Uh, would it be... How different would it feel and would the public still accept it kind of thing? Or because we've we've clearly set up the big bad for at least the first two seasons to be Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Um, maybe it's going to require some Jedi intervention, you know? Uh, saber on saber action get rile up the Jedi round up the Mandalorians and we're, we're going full, full tilt. Next thing you know, with all of them, what happens after that? You know, how long is that going to last? Is that going to be a full season? Is that going to be wrapped up by the end of season two? Uh, what's Mandalorian season three look like if we kind of blow our proverbial load right now? So, uh, yeah. So just so, be, I want all of you guys to be ready for that eventuality, just in case sure. it happens. I don't. So let's just say that four seasons was the magic number, and it's thirty-two episodes altogether. Um, I don't know how interesting that Mandalorian character is without Baby Yoda. He was a, a bounty hunter, and that's fun that he's just gonna go track down bounties, I suppose, and catch them and, and return them somewhere. But I don't think that that's good for an entire season. I I would be I would be done with it when. When, when the child is returned to wherever the child needs to go, I would consider that to be the end of the Mandalorian's arc, and he has served his purpose, and I don't need to see him do anything else. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see what Justin's saying. Like, I, I'm ready for Baby Yoda to exit the show, just because I feel like, it, aside from you know being the goose that laid the golden egg with Disney, <laughs> Disney licenses, uh, he's not really adding much to the show. Uh, but I agree with Justin that, you know, I don't want to see like a freak of the week type series to where he just, here's your new bounty for this week. Go find this one. I think that he would need to become part of a bigger storyline and whether or not that's something that surrounds him, maybe trying to rebuild Mandalorian or, you know, he be, it becomes a show about Mandalorians instead of just the Mandalorian. And we can have some form of like higher arcing you know, story points. Um, so I think I, I'm kind of in between the two of you. I'm, I'm ready for baby Yoda to, find his place in the world aside from the Mandalorian, but I also need him to be replaced, you know, plot wise by something else. 
Yeah. Right. I like the idea of, of integrating him into like rebuilding Mandalore or something like that. Then it almost becomes like we're now we're doing Space Game of Thrones. And- right. I was just gonna say that. Because exactly, yeah. like if it's if it's literally they're trying to take back their planets, that definitely complicates things, right? Yeah. And and the very idea of introducing these these new or not new characters, but these canon characters and seeing them in live action, that is that's a game changer, right? So I mean they can they can really have fun with that, or they could do the less is more approach and just say, "Yep, this exists. It's all tied together, and uh, it's a lot of fun." Yeah, uh, imagine even just the two groups of Mandalorians coming together the uh, the children of the Watch or whatever the religious extremist group that that Mando belongs to, and then your more traditional Mandalorians that we've seen uh, in media up to this point, where they're freely moving, removing their helmets. Um, even having them come together to work for a, a common goal yet having their own differences within within their own culture. That could be something interesting to explore. I don't know if it's a couple episodes interesting or an entire season interesting, but just the idea of that could could kind of help push things forward a little bit too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. And no offense to all of us here, because I love you all dearly, and I know we're all fairly, fairly intelligent people, but there are better minds working on it right now than ours. And by that, I mean uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So I, I put my trust in the future of Star Wars in their capable hands. <laughs> sure. Right. And, it, and it, I think it's important to know, like, if it were about building Mandalore, I know, like, on surface, that may seem uninteresting. Of like, I don't want to see them, like create government and stuff like that but i think what what's really important is that nobody in the galaxy wants to see the mandalorians reformed and become a force to be reckoned with i mean they are they're they're you know they are enemies of the sith they're enemies of the jedi they're enemy of the galaxy at large and all law for law enforcement agencies so it would be very interesting to see you know what would happen in a world where it's a reality that the Mandalorians could return to prominence. You know, what would the, you know, the new Republic do, you know, would what would Leia and Han and Luke and all of them do, you know, they, they, they can't allow it just to happen without, you know, some form of intervention, whether or not that's just making sure that, you know, this isn't a group of just maniacs, you know, they would have to send some form of envoy, you know, the empire doesn't want them reformed because right now the empire is, you know, kind of a fringe group, you know, they're working as warlords and stuff like that. You know, the Mandalorians come, you know, the empire is, you know, they're in deep trouble too. So I think it could be very interesting to, to, to see like a high level reforming of the Mandalorians. But I mean, the very idea of the first order coming to so much power suggests that it doesn't work out <laughs> that way. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it, I know we don't want to get too far into is Disney retconning the sequel trilogy, but you know, you know, I don't know if they're super concerned about that right now. I, I don't think I, I'm not one of those people. I don't think that Disney will ever come out and say like, Oh, the sequel trilogy doesn't count, but I, I could see them doing some kind of like silent thing like that to where, you know, you know, there, there still is, you know, 10 years in between, you know, the Mandalorian and Force Awakens, so there's plenty right. of time. So, uh, just a uh, you know, I've 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 been been known for throwing out some some wacky predictions and theories <laughs> about this series. So I'm going to throw out another one to you guys, sure, and we? I'm going to say that, <laughs> I'm going to say that Moff Gideon is dispatched, killed by the end of season two. You know, especially once we get uh, Jedi like Ahsoka Tano into the mix, and maybe Ezra Bridger. Um, and you know what happens if we see a live-action Ezra? I do. Grand Admiral Thrawn. 
I think he could be the overarching villain for future seasons. And if that happens, then I never want the show to end. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if it just picks up with him and it becomes uh, Thrawn instead of the Mandalorian? Like, well, I mean, like, it's just a Thrawn series. Well, I mean, I could, yeah, if, if we come to a, a logical conclusion for the end of The Mandalorian and we want to now do a, a Thrawn spinoff series, that that is just gold waiting to be mined as far as I'm concerned. But it's hard to imagine a Thrawn series where where we're not interacting with any of the original trilogy heroes. Right, right. right. yeah, the, the problem is The Mandalorian's a fringe character that can go under the radar if Grand Admiral Thrawn shows up, you know, it's, it's a... The New Republic needs to do everything in their power to stop him, and that includes Luke and Han and Leia and all of them. And uh, while I'm fine if they recast a young version of them to interact with Grand Animal Thrawn, oh my uh, god, just because like you know, he almost wins the war back for, in you know, in the Legends canon. I know it doesn't exist anymore, but you know, in the Legends canon, you know, he almost turns the war against the New Republic again, and it would be a very fun series to mine. But I'm sorry, just. Sure. No, it's fine. But I, you mentioned a Cassian series that we haven't heard anything about, and what makes me excited about that is just the the very idea that Darth Vader could pop up at any moment. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be in the Obi Wan show. Yeah, see, and that's fucking cool, man. If I can get more Jason Voorhees, Darth Vader, just fucking <laughs> cutting down people, then I'm all for it. I think that would be so goddamn cool. And yeah. I, I just. I, my entire life, I was told that Darth Vader is the scariest man in the world, and he's he's a, a force to be reckoned with. He's a Terminator, and don't cross him; he will kill you. And I didn't get any of that until Rogue One, and it was like two minutes of awesomeness, and I can't get enough of it. And if if there's even the slightest chance of of revisiting that sort of just raw power and energy that comes from Darth Vader and this is his full blown kickassery and his and his butler and his castle. I will take it. Yeah, I'm I'm totally for that as well. And and look at it this way too. Uh, the Cassian Andor series, we run we, we have the opportunity to see a bunch of cameos come over from Rogue One. Like, you know, for sure Alan Tudyk's probably gonna be back as K two SO. We're probably not going to see Jin again, even though uh, Felicity Jones did say at some point in time that she had signed a contract for multiple appearances in films. So there, there could be some other media that she will appear in. Um, it wouldn't really make sense considering they don't meet until Rogue One, but um, it, we, we really could revisit a bunch of other characters because sure. that is, you know, right at that A New Hope period in time. So uh, it's, it's, it's ripe for the revisiting. Right, and everything about when they go to the planet and there's the market square and there's the siege and the guerrilla warfare and just how scary the Empire is. I love everything about that. I think that yeah. is so cool. Just shows how, shows how dirty and sad the world is right now. And I just want, I really want more of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Because even, even in Mandalorian, when they went, when he goes into that room and he, you know, there's these stormtroopers that, that look weathered and just angry armor <laughs> yeah. like, that was scary i was like oh fuck yeah. dude it just went into the wrong room for a second um so i mean i'm all for that i think that's so goddamn cool yeah uh, any, anything that takes place in the height of the empire i'm i'm 100 game for uh i know in previous podcasts i've been down on the on putting things between three and four because it seems like everything is between three and four for a while but now we seem to be mining a different time period and like you said justin i 
you know any chance to see Darth Vader even for a millisecond <laughs> is uh, is perfect for me. And I I love that he's like the boogeyman in Richard, in uh, Rogue One. And I would love for you know it wasn't emphasized as much, but I, I like the idea of you know, you see Darth Vader and you just like just sit down in your chair. You're gonna be killed. <laughs> yeah, There's literally nothing you could do if he's either gonna kill you or he's not. And more than likely, he's gonna kill you. Right, and then you know when um when the Millennium Falcon gets away at the end of Empire, and he's standing there on the, the on the bridge, and he just turns and walks away. Everyone's like, "Fuck! Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Don't kill me!" Look busy, <laughs> like look you look totally busy. see that. They're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like, I think that's so cool. I'm separated from this hyperdrive. <laughs> right. There's at least 100 people ahead of me to die. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And he just he just walks with his head down like God damn it, it's like Ugh, kicking the everything. kicking the dirt. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean the whole thing. I mean, you know, the only reason he cares is because Luke's on the ship, and the only reason Luke's on the ship is because he failed. You know, right? He failed, then his men failed, and it's like, oh fuck, all this, all these ships, and we can't get anything right. Right? How cool would that have been if he just was holding his ship with the force, like yeah. not letting them go to? To light speed. That's like, pretty cool. Uh uh uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not done talking to you just yet. Hold on. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a force power that we probably would have seen in the Disney sequels mm-hmm. um, because there seems to be a lot more. Well, even like Ray, like reaching up and not allowing the, one of those, uh, those troop transports to leave right. the atmosphere. It's like, oh shit! You can like grab a whole ship, and of course, like we played the Force Unleashed, and we brought down a Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer, yeah, that was epic, though. That's like one of the coolest moments in Star Wars, and it was a fucking video game. <laughs> I one hundred percent agree with you there, but um, but we don't see that in the movies, and it wasn't until right. we saw it in in Rise of Skywalker that we saw something like that with that scale. But yeah, what, what's preventing if they can do it in the atmosphere? What's preventing them from reaching out the window through the the bridge? of the star destroyer and preventing a ship from leaving or, right. you know, just kind of like crushing the hyperdrive or, or, or something, you know? Um, I mean, Vader's a person to do. making this little satellite yeah. dish spin around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you uh, watching right now? <laughs> Turn your TV around. Yeah. I, I would love for the Obi-Wan series to be like half, half of the, half of the series is Obi-Wan trying to stay away from Vader. And half of the show is Vader just trying to find Obi-Wan and, be, every time he feels like a force user and he thinks he finds Obi Wan, it turns out to be, you know, some yeah. like teenage little snot who just has like yeah. the, some inkling of the force and he's like hiding out. He's like, oh, I gotta kill another one even. He's like, or sorry, Vader, be, your princess is in another castle. Or it could actually be like uh, survivors of Order sixty six hiding out because I've long loved the idea of seeing Vader hunt down and kill remaining Jedi. And and David, like you said, this is area that's been mined almost to death because the comics have done it really well. And I'm sure the novels have too, to a degree. Um, but seeing that in live action to me would give some substance to a Vader series. Right. Uh, if you guys and are up. And there's, there's, there's enough named Jedis out there to where it wouldn't be like, just rant. Like, you know, Quinlan Voss is still out there. You know, we know that and stuff like that. It would just be great if, you know, some of these, you know, some of these heroes from like the comics and the expanding universe and stuff were to come back, and it's just like, well, I gotta kill you. Here I go again. Right. Here I go again, killing. It's like yeah. lost and no one's safe, and they're just all gonna die. Yeah. Guys, you guys are getting me excited with all this talk here. <laughs> well, just That's never gonna think, happen. <laughs> yeah, you have to think they have to feel safe. I mean, there's 
billions of planets in the galaxy. What are, what's the odds that Vader's going to show up to the... Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. They only hang out in the one galaxy. They don't go to some other galaxy. They're yeah, they got to like, go over to the Star Trek galaxy or something. <laughs> you can hide out from Vader over there. Well, I mean, when you watch those videos that shows, like, this is how big the sun is, and this is how big the Earth is, and then it just kind of goes on all the planets, and then it zooms out to, like, our galaxy, and then it zooms out to show other galaxies, and there's a, a billion, billion, hundred billion galaxies and all these cool clusters, and it's there's a lot of space out there. <laughs> and they're, they're limited to Tatooine and fucking Naboo and whatever, and Hoth. Just a couple of rando planets that we just keep visiting. And it's like, okay, let's let's spread out a little bit. Yeah, the two, the two of the things, one of the things that I would be most excited about with the Kenobi, the Kenobi series would be the minute he finds out that Vader is still alive. I think that's going to be very powerful. Like, fuck, I had one job. <laughs> right. <laughs> I left you with no legs and no arms, and somehow you're still around like a goddamn cockroach. But what I'm afraid of is I just, I can't have any Kenobi and Vader interaction. Like, like I know it seems weird if they're going to make Vader kind of like the antagonist of the show. I, it just, it just break, it would, I think it would break my head cannon for the Star Wars universe if they were to interact. I need their last interaction to be on Mustafar and their next interaction to be on the Death Star. Right. I agree because it, it even says in the dialogue, you know, um, when I last see you, I, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. You know, we can't have any, any interactions in between. It has to be that way. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I do like the idea of, of, being there when the moment that we find out that that obi-wan failed and that he survived and that this darth vader when, when he sees the hologram does he see the the emperor does he see palpatine like dub him darth vader yoda calls him darth vader okay so i couldn't remember whether or not uh whether or not he knows that anakin is darth vader but I mean, yes, he is technically living under a rock on, on Tatooine, but he's got to know fairly early on that Darth Vader is survived and is this huge force of, uh, of terror in the galaxy. So I have to imagine it's pretty early on after episode three that he learns that. I like the idea of seeing the moment that he learns it and then just trying to stay one step ahead of being caught or found. But I wonder how many people know of Darth Vader. Like, like, uh, like I'm, ju- I'm just curious if, like, uh, you know, he's not... He's not really the face of, you know, I guess he goes to the Death Star and million stormtroopers see him. So I guess he is coming to the face. But, uh, you know, Tarkin is like the face of the Empire for, you know, the, the interim, um, you know, to where Vader could just be like a boogeyman. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, when I when I I really like the propaganda posters that we see at cons and things like that. And and I would just love to see more of a of that presence in the star wars universe you know like sign up today or you know things of that nature to where it just shows that when you watch a movie that takes place in world war ii hitler's face is in every fucking room there's a nazi goddamn flag like at least 18 nazi flags in a in a five-foot hallway it just it's it's a lot <laughs> and i would go ahead so Look at Solo. We, we, yeah, we see, it had that. Yeah, yeah, it had that. And and did we see Vader, Vader's image, or did we just see like rows of hundreds of shiny white stormtroopers and big imperial vehicles and stuff like that? I don't. Right. I don't seem to remember actually seeing Vader used as like the Hitler iconography, where it's like, "This is your leader. You must follow your leader. He is great and glorious." Um, it it really just felt like the mass 
the might of the masses of the Imperial Army or Imperial Navy, whatever um, right. that they used for their 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 technique for right. Uh, well, I think I think because there wasn't a rebellion yet, right? And so I think Vader is more of the face of stomping out the rebellion, and I, that didn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I in in my head, Vader becomes kind of like the uh, the face of the Empire after a new hope like like right. in a new hope they're all about like build this battle station we got tarkin he's the face blah 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 and then once they've realized that luke skywalker is around and this rebellion is not going away and they destroyed their spaceship it's like all right now now we got to scare the fuck out of them <laughs> right send in the dark dude yeah <laughs> exactly with his beep bop boops <laughs> Got a lot, a lot of switches on that. Just is. I'm surprised they weren't able to come up with a better suit over the course of 20 years. Yeah, not a lot of. Guess not a lot of improvements on, uh, on the old yeah, type suit. I mean, he looks a lot better than um, than Saul, right? Or Saul Guerrero? Is that his name? Um, yeah, Saul Guerrero. I mean, it looked like his was put together, and like he went to one of those like I can't afford healthcare in the U.S., so I'm going to go down to Mexico and yeah. get some. Quite- uh, surgery done. Yeah. That's kind of like what his life support suit was put together by. Tony Stark built one in a cave from scraps. <laughs> Why not Tony Stark? <laughs> so that, I mean that, that could be another thing too. If you're if you're talking about mining the the Cassian uh, era, you know there could be uh, you know we could see uh, effectively a younger uh, Saul Guerrero getting uh, turning into what the man that we know today is. You know. Yeah. Getting the the battle damage, <laughs> yeah. Because he was I mean, he was I mean he was pretty prominent in the the guerrilla warfare and 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 the sieges that the empire was was taking part in. You know he's he was a resistance fighter. Too radical for the rebels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotta get yeah. shit done. Because I think the Cassian Andor show. I think it's I think they were saying it was five years before Rogue One. Okay. So yeah, you could definitely get a, a younger Sagarera. Mm-hmm. I'm down, yeah, man. we already see him kind of in the the flashbacks in Rogue One, anyway. So we we know, you know, he's been in the shit for a while. We've seen what he looks like. Yeah, right. and he's from Rebels, so we saw. We oh saw yeah, him in, in, I in forgot. About that. Yeah, he's he's in the the Jedi Fallen Order game too. Oh really? Yeah, that's interesting. Which is on Game Pass now, by the way. If oh. FYI, <laughs> Just check it out. Video games. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. So let's slightly shift gears, and I'm going to drop something on you that we didn't uh, talk about in advance. Did you guys see the new Lego Star Wars Holiday Special? Didn't. Not yet. I didn't, I didn't want to, yeah. All right. So I'm the only one that watched it. I watched it at midnight when it dropped. Um, Which was like on, two days ago, right? It was on the 17th. Yeah. Day, yeah. Is, uh, that's the, the original date of the, the first holiday special. On so, Christmas Day I'll, in the morning. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I want to you guys have the chance to see it. But I will say, when you watch it, it's 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 arguably better than the original uh, holiday uh, special, but just know when you watch it, expect like Lego Movie type of humor, and it's really made for kids. It is oh, really yeah. made, but it's fun and it explores some of what we've been talking about with uh, time travel, and it does it in a much more whimsical way than Rebels did. But I mean, it's just as plausible, essentially. You know, it's it's kind of this, a similar idea as how it's happening. Right. Uh, 
you know, obviously it's not meant to be canon, but we... They're like, let's try it out and see what people say. And then if they like it, we'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We we revisit a lot of stuff throughout all the the entire uh, Star Wars era, prequels, sequels, and... uh, and original trilogy and um it's fun it's lighthearted. it's only like 45 minutes long so it's not a huge investment of time but um it's genuinely a good time and the, again the humor may not be for everybody but i enjoyed it so yeah Check- I, I definitely i definitely want to watch it it's definitely something uh, i'm off next week so i think i might watch it uh i i, I just kind of something just kind of dawned on me uh, i wonder if we could get a trend going to where we start referring to the original trilogy as the equals so we can have the prequels, equals, and sequels. I'm just a fan of rhyming. Uh, I mean, I, I like that. They're they're all pretty equal in terms of being amazing in my book. <laughs> Empire's the best, of course, but well, yeah, we'll, we'll try to get it to catch on. Yeah, prequels, equals, and sequels. Prequels, equals, sequels. What's it called? Uh, the original, original trilogy. <laughs> it's like a prequels, original trilogy, and sequel trilogy. Got it. Just trying to be whimsical. I, I like the people that just called Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> like, Star no, no, Wars. I'm just talking about Star Wars. <laughs> no, that prequel cool shit. I just want Star Wars. Yeah, you know the one with the Jedi and the spaceship. <laughs> Which yeah, one? That's like, that's like my dad, dude. No, no, just Star Wars. Or they don't pluralize it. Just like the Star War. Right, right. What kind of Star War? Was that was a New Hope always a New Hope, or no. was it? It was, well, it was Star always, Wars. It, it was originally just Star Wars, and then when Empire came out, it became Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Ah, so it got its it's got it got its name in 1980. So Truth. when you saw it in the theater, it just said Star Wars, and that's all there is to it. Well, none of us were old enough to see it in the theaters. No, no, not you, were, but yeah, no, the, I know the Royal We. <laughs> royal We. Yes. <laughs> when you watched it the first time, it, the the opening crawl said Star Wars, and then went right into the crawl. Got it. Then it got confusing. Okay. Can you imagine, like, if it did just start with episode four, and you're like, "What? Did I? <laughs> what are the other three? I missed it." It's like, "Babe, we got three more of these to watch." Yeah. Shit. Pause it. Come back. <laughs> you know, pause in the movie theater. Oh man. It busted the block. Yeah. So, uh, uh, if I were to ask you, aside from Ahsoka Tano, and um, you know, now we've now we've seen Boba Fett. And we've talked about Thrawn. What other Star Wars character would you love to see make a cameo in The Mandalorian? That's a good question. So I, I talked about it last week. I want to see the Nulls, which oh, are which are, which, yeah, which are which are clone troopers, um, <laughs> but they're very special clone troopers. They're the original clone troopers to clone from Jango Fett that don't have the temperament of clones. You know, they have the original Jango's attitude. But he an enhanced version of Django, and you know they're adopted into a Mando family um, by another Mandalorian whose name is Cal. And you know I would love to see him in the show. Um, so if you ever played the game Republic Commando, uh, it deals it deals with a, a squadron of clone troopers. But they actually made a series of books based off of uh, Battle uh, of uh, Republic Commando, but it's based on a different squad. And that squad is 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 made of these special special forces clones, and they're kind of like the the island of misfit toys. Like everyone in there is kind of like broken in some way, and so they 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 work under this Mandalorian named Kal, and uh, Kal takes the 
you know, the gnolls under his wing at a very young age and stuff like that. And they create like this makeshift, like Mandalorian family and you know, any of them or all of them, I would be, I would be thrilled. So if like all of a sudden Ordo or Mareel or any of these other ones were to show up, I would just be giddy and I would instantly like be in love. So is that kind of what the bad batch is based off of that we saw in, in the clone wars cartoon? Yeah, there's, de- there's definitely, there's definitely aspects of that. Um, so, you know, I will just always assume the Bad Batch was going to be the closest I came. But with more and more of the Mandalorian kind of showcasing these other things, I, I'm I'm starting to think that, you know, Filoni and Favreau could maybe bring these other clones in because they are just so relevant to the Mandalorian legacy with Jango Fett. And I really, really want them to... Whatever they have to do to canonize that Jango Fett and Boba Fett are Mandalorians. You know, it's... I'm tired of this argument. You know, Jango Fett is definitely a Mandalorian. I don't think there's any disputing it, even though the internet will tell me I'm wrong because, you know, what's her name in Rebels made a comment that Jango Fett is nothing more than a bounty hunter, blah, 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 blah. No, Jango Fett was, was, was legit Mandalorian. And, you know, his son was, you know, you can say whatever you want. His son is clone. Um, you know, Mandalorians <laughs> were invented because of Boba his Fett. His mother named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Sorry sure. for my long answer. No, no, that's great. That's great. You want to see more Mandalorians in a show called Mandalorian? <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> I'm okay with that. What about you, Randy? Did you come up with an answer? I'm a man of simple desires, and I think uh, anybody that's kind of like Rebels adjacent is going to be easy to mine, Rebels or even certain elements of the Clone Wars. But um, I think I'd like to see Captain Rex. Um, we got Tamara Morrison already uh, as as Boba Fett. It would have been super easy for them to just like, all right, well we got him here for a day. Let's go ahead and do a quick costume change and throw a big old beard on him, and and here you go. Now we're gonna shoot a new scene in in the volume, and uh, you're now Captain Rex. Uh, I, why not? I think it's great, um, and and it's simple, and it's something realistic that they can do. I've got like all these great ideas that. If we want to bring in any of the the new Republic, any of the old Rebels that are still kicking around that we've seen in the sequel trilogy, you can bring in Nine Numb, you can bring in Admiral Akbar, you can bring in a bunch of people. That uh, I know Admiral Akbar is a little bit more problematic now, but I mean, um, you can get somebody that sounds like him and a pretty good looking suit, and you can make. There's a lot of characters that you can make happen. Um, so. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of those movie heroes as well that are, again, adjacent to our hero heroes, but are, are still big enough figures to be recognizable and, um, and would, ha- would carry an impact, you know, with sure. whatever. So, like, for me, I would love to see 3PO and R2-D2 because Mandalorian hates droids. But yeah. if they just happen to be, <laughs> like, how they are and just in a victim of circumstance so many times and they got him out of some sort of dangerous situation i think that could be adorable yes yeah. and it'd be a great way to like name drop the original trilogy heroes like they could be on a mission for luke or a mission for leia and right. we could get anthony daniels to be like mistress leia has put us on this important <laughs> task for the new republic and blah 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 right. blah, 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 blah and we'd and be like, yeah. getting tooed and getting all mad at him and beep bop booping it would be essentially be exactly like their cameo in rogue one which is just there to be there so that they could say that they were in all the Star Wars movies. And that right. chain was broken in Solo. Yeah, a lot of things are broken in Solo. <laughs> um, I, like, I like Solo. I enjoy Solo for, for what it is. Um, you know, I, 
I, I hate to harp on it, but I would love to see just really any of the clones because the clones should be long dead by now. You know, um, you know they they're advanced aging. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi surely must yeah. be dead by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the Nulls that I mentioned, you know specifically Muriel, um, you know he they're all geniuses, and so his whole goal was he wanted to crack the code of their advanced aging and find a scientist that could correct it. And you know all of the clones hate the Kaminoans. You know the you know the guys who were the cloning facility, to where he actually has gloves made of a Kaminoan because they're just such terrible. That's they're a, such a terrible species. <laughs> and you right. know, they're kind of they like Nazi German scientist type folk. Right? Yeah, they're kind of like the, the, the evil scientist from like Wonder Woman. <laughs> right, right. And, and you know, and, uh, and considering this, the scientist guy in the first season of The Mandalorian was also wearing the same emblem on his shoulder that the Camino and cloners were wearing. Right. So yeah, total, total Nazi scientist. They don't teach ethics at that medical school. <laughs> There's no Hippocratic oath. <laughs> no. But what they got is they got Camino saber darts right. from the. Oh, no, no, no! It's beyond the outer rim. Ridiculous. <laughs> I, I sorry for uh, for derailing you, David. Did you derail me? I did. I I, th- I think you were in the middle of a point, and I just like. Oh no no, it, it's fine. It's it's just it's just fun to see, you know. He took it to such a step that you know, the the, the problem is is that the Kaminoans they know how to do it. Like like they they're the ones who made the advanced aging, and they know exactly how to turn off the advanced aging, but they just refuse to do it. You know, and it just shows their complete lack of empathy. And the whole purpose, the whole reason the Nulls exist is because you know, the Kaminoans decided they were an imperfect batch and they were going to execute these basically like four year olds. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, the next batch will be better. <laughs> but I mean, they mention in the movie, right, that they're accelerated so that the army would be ready right. after X amount of days, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that. And then if they're going to go bad, then maybe you got to put in a second order. Or a third order for you know keep <laughs> keep buying clones, <laughs> right? They're in the business. They're in the business to make the money, right? You don't you don't build something that's gonna last forever. You build it, so you gotta buy a new one eventually. Like my goddamn iPhone. Like it just so happens that after at that two year mark, I gotta charge it every, like twice a day because the battery just doesn't work anymore. What a miracle! But yeah, it's it's it, the galaxy is not a kind place to the Kaminoans post Attack of the Clones because you know once Palpatine. You know, wins. You know, he has no use for the comedians. You know, he's already perfected the technology. You know, they basically are now in slave labor to Darth Sidious. Uh, you know, in post, you know, the fall of the Empire. You know, they they really have no place in the galaxy. They're 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 reviled as those Nazi German scientists. You know, gotcha. they're blamed for a lot of. They're stuff. making people over there. We gotta kill them. <laughs> God can make people. Yeah, I believe it. That's edgy. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they just flip a switch. Like, do we want accelerated life or do we want regular a la carte? <laughs> you know, if they were able to make Boba so easily, then it was seemed pretty pretty simple. Yeah, they just needed yeah. the soldiers faster. Yeah, because hmm. not so much. It's not only the growing of the soldiers; you have to train them. And you know, while you right. can train them intellectually when they're younger, you know physically they have to be adult before you can like really really put them to like basic training and stuff like that do they disclose the the time frame of how long from the time they're born to being soldier ready i mean it's 10 years i mean they they, they put the order in 10 years in advance oh, okay so. got it all right so i think the first batch probably took maybe that that long and i think they, they so had, three times probably yeah speed, i would imagine 
Yeah, I'd say that. About 30. Be seasoned. A lot to think about. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, is there anything else you care to chat about? Well, if you if if you would uh, entertain a, a a small half list half history lesson on the dark saber, uh, I could tell you the seven known people who have possessed the dark saber. Oh, sure. I'm so interested. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, was it was it initially found in an anvil in a churchyard? It was not. So so <laughs> so the original owner of the dark saber is Tari Vizla. And he was around thousands of years ago, and he is the first Mandalorian to ever be indoctrined into the Jedi Order. So he is the first, first, and you know, I don't know how many, but one of the only Mandalorian Jedi's. And so he fashioned the dark saber as his personal lightsaber while he was a Jedi. Whoa. And you know, he so he was you know he was a great Jedi. He did great things. Uh, and when he when he died, they took his lightsaber, as was tradition at the time, and put it into the Jedi Temple. And it laid in the Jedi Temple for for you know at least a thousand years, if not more, until a relative of him called Previsla, who everyone will remember from the the, the Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, he or maybe it's just Clone Wars, um, he decided he wanted his namesake's uh, weapon because uh, in the later years um, of Terry's life of Tara's life he became the Mandalore. He became the leader of the Mandalorians because of his high stature. And so he thought, so he started previously started the tradition of whoever has the dark saber is the leader of the Mandalorians. And so, and, he, and real quick, just to clarify, when you are the leader of the Mandalorians, your title is Mandalore. Is that correct? You are the Mandalore on the planet Mandalore ruler of the Mandalorians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the real seat of the situation <laughs> got it okay um, i'm there i'm with you <laughs> so you know he was not a uh he was not a good dude uh you know he was the leader of the death watch uh which the man with which mandalorian may or may not be a member of but uh they were the bad guys they were the mandalorians who tried to take mandalore by force by from the uh current occupants like a coup uh, a coup d'etat yeah like a coup d'etat now uh after uh uh after after you know, Darth Maul fell into after he was defeated by Obi Wan Kenobi and fell into the reactor at Theed. You know, he had Obi Wan Kenobi. Surely, he must be dead by now. <laughs> Sorry, can't, can't resist. And so, uh, so Pre Vizsla and Darth Maul kind of formed like a uh, tenuous alliance, we'll say at best. And uh, once uh, Vizsla was no longer of use, Darth Maul took the dark saber and he wielded the dark saber for a number of years. Um, so he held it for a number of years and he was holed up, you know, he was, he was on Dathomar, you know, uh, when a Jedi, a Jedi named, uh, Kanan and a uh, Mandalorian named Sabin raided, uh, his hideout and, uh, Sabin Ren, Sabine Ren, sorry, uh, was the next wielder of said dark saber. And so she wielded it during the rebels cartoon, uh, and, uh, the, uh, eventually passed it on to Kanan. And, uh, you know, Kanan had it for a little while. You know, Kanan was, uh, you know, he's a blind son of a gun. Uh, and uh, Kanan eventually handed it off to uh, our, our, our star of the last episode of The Mandalorian, Bo-Katan. And uh, Bo-Katan had it, and she became the rightful owner and the, the Mandalore of The Mandalorians. And at some unknown time, she, will, she has lost it to Moff Gideon, who is the current owner of the Darksaber. So those are the seven folk who have owned the Darksaber. That we know of. And that's awesome. 
Yeah. That's cool. Did you put together that list yourself? I did not put that list together myself. Okay, you should have taken credit for it because that was a cool list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, uh, you know, I'm I'm not as versed on Rebels as, as Randy is, so there were a couple in the middle that I wasn't sure of. I I knew I knew the the tale of you know the Vizlas and stuff like that. So I um, just because the question. Mandalorian Jedi is cool. Yeah. The the first Jedi that created it, what was mm-hmm. that person's name? Tari Vizla. What is it? Tare Vizla. Tare. T a r r e. Vizla, V I. Got it. Z E L Vecchio. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And now, were the other Jedi like, whoa, man, it's got to be, it's got to be green, it's got to be blue, or it's got to be yellow? <laughs> can't, can't be going around with no dark saber. It just, well, it was way a, back a bad when there was, it was way back when there was black and white television. So that's what oh, I was okay. <laughs> Well, and if the Old Republic taught us anything, it's that you can have pretty much any damn color. You can throw a crate Dragon Pearl in there, and you get some weird, you know, like, you can get anything. Get a rainbow yeah. flavor off the menu. Yeah. But I'm with you, Justin. I think the second he ignites a black lightsaber, it kind of sends up some flags. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. We're going to put it a might be a black saber, but uh, that's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna call you an HR real quick. Yeah, we gotta we gotta have a meeting about this. This is a problem. I, I thought you would enjoy that list better than uh, Screen Rant had a list of uh, the top ten Mandalorians in Star Wars lore, and uh, so I thought I thought you'd enjoy the history lesson more. Wow, who was number one on that list? Uh, controversial number one uh, <laughs> is actually uh, the Mandalorian. Really, Din Djarin. You beat out beat out both vets. Wow. Um, I would I would rate him higher than both vets right now, personally. My own yeah. enjoyment. Yeah. I guess what, what makes them number one, I like our enjoyment factor or what we got out of them? Or how tough they are? Like how is that list? I'm trying to how see how cool they are, anything. like their coolness yeah. factor. How good of Mandalorian are they? Yeah, it's yeah. just Star Wars top ten Mandalorians ranked. I I is Candorous on that from the Old Republic? He is Candorous. not on this. Candorous is not on this list. He was was cool. he? Was he a Mandalorian? I think so. I mean, he okay. becomes Mandalore. Does he? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Man, forever since I played that game. You can play it on your phone now. Isn't that crazy? I think you can play it on a smart refrigerator too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need a new refrigerator. Like yeah, big and expensive, way. man. There's a there's a couple of options that just really hike up the price on your refrigerator. Yeah. Nuts. Anywho, uh, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? Not a goddamn thing. Not a way. All right. Thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of Geek Legacy Podcast. Had a lot of fun talking to you, too. You are the best, and you know everything about the Star Wars, and you're always educating me, and I love it. Please check out the other podcasts that we have on our little network. Of course, there is the pixelated podcast hosted by Stephen k james talking about the video games and you also got don't be crazy hosted by mr zachary rancourt who knows a lot about the motion pictures shows <laughs> oh, love you zach <laughs> and uh you should give it a whirl in fact you can even follow him on the twitter you can follow both of them at Stephen k james and at zach dale zach dale 60 finding me uptown all the way Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a fabulous week. Uh, You keep rocking and rolling. Thank you so much.